Hello and welcome to the Earthborn Games Podcast. I'm your host, Andres Carlson. And joining me, as always, is Andrew Fisher. Hi, Andrew. Hello. <laughs> How have you been? Oh, pretty good. Uh, you know, two weeks older puppy is still a puppy. So, you know, mm. uh, <laughs> we we got a slight break because uh, we we tried out a doggy daycare and um, that thing wiped him out. And so he was very, very tired for the day after and was just like the laziest dog ever. Our friends who visited while he was all like tired and lazy got a very incorrect impression of, uh, of him. But today he's, yeah. uh, he's not so fully bad. back. He's fully back <laughs> to uh, terror mode today. Like mm. we, we were handling the zoomies uh, shortly before this call. <laughs> what are the zoomies? Shoe uh, That's you know, all I know. That they're, I think that's Zoomy, Zoomies. It's a shoe store in the mall. Zumbas? No, the Zumba is uh, <laughs> aerobic is a, exercise yeah, of some kind, and, right? And Zoomies is like a teenage skateboarding shoe store at the mall. Yeah, yeah, with a U instead of. This is like Zoomies with two O's, I think. And it's like the dogs get into these like frenetic, like almost manic modes uh, for yes some of them are for a few minutes at least according to reddit my my dogs go on forever but uh <laughs> they they can be for all sorts of reasons generally fins are uh seem to be when he's overtired if he doesn't get enough naps he'll just like you know much like a toddler mm -hmm. uh he won't get sleepy he'll just get in a worse mood <laughs> yeah very much like a toddler yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we, we've been trying very very hard to get him to nap you know we'll like put on lo-fi beats and like put him in his crate with a blanket over and like tiptoe around the house all silently all day like you know just working in silence trying to not wake up the top the puppy so it's been fun <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> do you guys ever get the zoomies at this stage in the earthborn process earthborn Rangers? <laughs> <laughs> the the creative zoomies yeah <laughs> just tired of it. I, I, you start racing around the house <laughs> i usually you know want to nap uh you know and in my 30s i think i uh i don't get frenetic energy as just much as a desire to go lay in bed <laughs> I hear you. yeah i'm in fisher's camp with yeah <laughs> yeah come like 9 30 i'm ready for bed some nights mm -hmm. oh yeah hell yeah uh we're also joined i always get this screwed up joined with joined by bye. evan Simonet. bye yeah it's bye <laughs> Hi. <laughs> hi. Hi, Evan. Hey. How are you doing? Good. I was just explaining to you and Fisher before this whole thing started that I thought I was going to be late <laughs> because I was watching Megan and I were having dinner and I had Signe, my daughter, between my, just sitting on my, not my lap, but between my legs on the couch. And she just had this like blowout in her diaper and I didn't notice it. And it got <laughs> oh, on, yeah. it seeped through her outfit and it got on, got on me. So. And I didn't have time to change, so I kind of got like a little bit of. That's always the worst. Like you never, <laughs> yeah. you don't notice. You don't notice it as it's happening. You're just kind of like, yeah. you know, maybe going through the grocery store. You're like, what? What is yeah. this wet feeling I have? Yeah, oh. they give you no indication whatsoever. I mean, unless no, I, I guess they kind of do sometimes, but not yet. Right. There's She's no just not aware of what's happening. <laughs> Welcome back, Andrew. It's all puppies, babies, and poop here now. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> just like I left it. <laughs> uh, Andrew, welcome back. How was your camping Thank trip? Thank you. 
Where'd you go? Uh, it, it was a lot of fun. We went to the uh, Black Hills in South Dakota, mm. uh, which I'd never been to Beautiful. before. Okay. Yeah, so this summer was great. Like I went on we went on two two trips to mountains and places that I've never been before, and uh, both of them was were the other fantastic. one fantastic. Uh, we went to the um, uh, like to the to the Smoky Shenandoah. Mountains. Oh, yeah, yeah, Shenandoah National National Park. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, this was uh, Custer State Park and the Black Hills National Forest are like right next to each other. So we were in Custer State Park, That's and cool. my wife and kids had gone there uh, when I was at Gen Con one year, again twenty nineteen. I think they went and had, said it was really awesome. And uh, we've been meaning to get back since then. And um, uh, my wife was right. It was awesome. It was beautiful. Just amazing, really dramatic uh, rock formations. Like all of the mountains, uh, they're they're smaller than the Rockies, uh, but they're all pretty well forested. And um, they just have like these just massive like cliff faces kind of like sticking out of all of them. Mm -hmm. And then there's also Mm -hmm. some really cool, uh, rock formations. We went to this one place called the uh, uh, the Citadel the Citadel Spires. Mm. Oh, Cathedral Spires. That's what it was. Cathedral mm. Spires. And it was this ring of just massive rocks that you hiked up to, and it was like almost like a, an ancient caldera of a volcano or something. And just all these towering mountains around you. They felt like. It felt like there were just these massive beings together mm. in some kind of, like they were meeting in some kind of council or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was really cool. Um, yeah, cool. I, I highly recommend uh, checking it out. And it was very inexpensive. So you were just you know camping in a camping spot, like right. underneath, also underneath this giant rock that like looked out over a valley. Um, yeah, your camping spot was very cool. It was yeah. like it's not just like some pad somewhere, like under a rock formation was very Yeah. It was a very cool tent spot. Yeah, it was really neat. It was a little too it was a little shady. Um mm-hmm. uh like in the shade, not like dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it had a really cool spot you could like hike hike up to that was nearby and uh, climb out on some rocks where I'd get up in the morning right around dawn, make a cup of tea in a little, you know, metal, metal cup with a, you know, just a pan of water on us, on our camping stove. Uh, it was just, it was very nice thing. It was, it was a really awesome, like morning ritual, very different from what I usually do here where like mm-hmm. I get up and, you know, pick up my phone and just, you know, scroll through garbage for about 30 minutes shortly after waking up. Mm-hmm. Um, instead make some tea, walk up this path, uh, climb on some rocks and then sit out on this kind of outcropping that just looks over the valley as the sun rises up over the mountains and the clouds. Oh man, it's great! It's great. It's so essential. It's awesome. Yeah, the, this weekend I went to Oregon to visit my sister, and I had and she kind of lives in this little weird old shack in the woods, cool by mountains. And I had similar yeah. mornings, you know, getting up before them and just kind of walking around and looking at the slugs on the ground. Cool. Did you do any hot springs while you were out there? No, it was just like a sudden surprise visit for three days. So we we did as much as we could, but yeah, no, I didn't even know that there was uh, hot springs there. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I lived in Oregon for a very short period of time, like four months. What city? Uh, What town? Eugene. 
okay. Where uh, University of Oregon is, it's like yeah. an hour and a half ish south of Portland. Yeah, um, we were north. I was in Seaside. Astoria. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was beautiful. Uh, um, it was beautiful out there. Yeah, my wife has a friend who lives in Astoria. Um, cool. It's a cool town. Um, yeah, it looks really neat. Is that the town in the Goonies? Yes, there's tons of Goonies uh, paraphernalia and the gift shops and everything. They're really <laughs> still milking that. It also is where Short Circuit, Short Circuit was filmed. Oh, okay. Oh, so really? There, there's yeah. some like collab merch in the the gift shops where it's like Johnny Five with you know sloth with the Goonies back. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love I Short Circuit, but I've never seen I've never seen Goonies. I've never seen it. What? Uh uh-uh. uh, it's one of those where people always scream at me like that yeah. just now. I, I didn't see <laughs> what is it wrong much with later. You? Yeah, I, I I was I was right there with you until like maybe three or four years ago. I finally saw it. I mean, okay, wow, I yeah. saw it. I saw it when I was a little child, but I don't remember it at all. So I can't. I don't oh, know oh, say yeah. Well, yeah. You, it's it got in there somehow. Then you, you I remember being afraid of sloth. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. afraid of sloth. Is that his name, Sloth? It was his name. <laughs> Still is. Yep. Oh, did he perish at the end? <laughs> no. Okay. He's alive. He lives. Spoilers. Sloth lives. Yeah. <laughs> uh, take a note of that one. All right. Well, we've got a show tonight. Uh or today. Today. We'll say today. You guys are watching it in the day, hopefully. Um, thanks for joining us. We've got some listener questions as always, work stories. We're gonna talk about some cool stuff we're into. Let's get started with the first question, which comes from Majest. Thanks for writing us again. They they ask, I'm 99% sure the Kickstarter said there'd be dividers in the base box, but I don't think I've heard any mention of them since. Have I remembered correctly that there are dividers included? And is there any word on what they'd look like? What are dividers, first of all? What are they we're referencing? Um, so dividers are usually, so when you store cards, uh, it can be kind of a pain when you have lots of cards because um, they're just like in this big stack, right? Uh, mm. And so you can kind of keep them organized in, in some order, but like it, it's kind of hard to like sit there and find exactly, you know, where the division is in the different groups of cards. So dividers are usually just like cards that are a little bigger um, that can kind of go and divide up your cards laying in a big long stack to make it kind of easy to sort through them. I see. Cool. Um, yeah. Additionally, uh, uh, somebody Zoltan on discord was also curious to hear just about our general packaging and thoughts on organizing the game. Uh, they mentioned time stories as a game that they felt does organization really well and was just curious about kind of our ethos on organizing, uh, Rangers. So, Andrew, do you have any 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 thoughts? Do you want to make assurances about uh, dividers? <laughs> yeah, well, I was just uh, as we were talking, I was just looking at the file and wondering if we should just share it really quick, just so people could see what it, it's not sexy because they're just you know <laughs> card dividers. Oh no, no, could you could you share the? Uh, can you bring up the render from the rule book of like the three D render of like the the box open with the dividers in it? That's on the Kickstarter page. Like, if you want to see that, oh, that's true. You yeah, can, you can, <laughs> anyone could look at that. Yeah, so if you go on the on the Kickstarter on the campaign page, you can see a render that shows a uh, you know like a visualization of what the game. I think plus all the other content. I think it included the campaign expansion and the doubler in that uh, in that render just to show that it all fit in there. Um, 
but uh yeah you can you can go check that out if you want to on, on the kickstarter page um spoilers may just yes there are dividers yes there are there are still <laughs> dividers the the dividers are a little bit different than uh we are dividing different things than we had originally planned uh just because uh, that changed through um physical testing and how we were actually how it largely determined by like how fisher and i were actually uh organizing our collections as we played so same number of dividers, but you're dividing different things. Yeah, we kind of reprioritized one area that we of the cards that we very rarely referenced and so could kind of be lumped into a, one larger divider. Um, and then we use those extra dividers to kind of go into and, and gives provide some extra dividers for some other card managements that we really didn't have storage for. So um, we did some rearranging, like based on our experience playing, we did some kind of reprioritizing of what was divided and what wasn't. Because, you know, at a certain point, when there's too many dividers, like there's only a few cards in each divider, they get really close together and they're kind of hard to use. Uh, we also kind of found that. So uh, I think you'll be happy with uh, the dividers we do provide. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, yeah, so the dividers, just to give you a, a something to visualize, is they're uh, just, they're about as big as a card laid on its side, but a little bit taller. So as you can you can see them. So, but it imagines cards being on their on their side on their long side as opposed to being upright in the in the collection. Um, and I think you'll also find when you uh, put your cards into your collection, the way that we've arranged the information on the cards also makes it really easy to sort and to see what your what your to see what you need, so that you can pull the cards out. So you need all the a lot of the text is like right there at the top to tell you like what set it's from um, or the name of a location. It's all, it's all there on that edge. And to, to Zoltan's question about like broader organization, um, one of the other challenges we had was just uh, flexibility of storage. So like time stories, you know, it knows exactly what's in its box. It has little, it has a plastic back tray. We're obviously not using any plastic in our game and it has little slots for everything. Right. Um, and uh, we didn't want to do like individual slots for everything we have because you know we're a Kickstarter and um, some of our components are designed to be upgraded potentially. Um, a lot of backers are curious about can I store the game unsleeved or sleeved? So we wanted to make sure that the you know the, the storage trays can accommodate either. And um, you know if people bought the premium tokens versus the regular tokens or decided to upgrade their tokens with you know something from Etsy or whatever else, you know like we wanted the game to be kind of customizable as it's this hobby you have for hopefully uh, many years. Um, we wanted you to be able to upgrade that. So the rest of our storage is fairly flexible. Uh, we wanted to provide all the dividers you need because it's mainly a card game. It's mainly cards so that, and accessing all of those cards during the game is a really important part of our mechanics. We wanted you to be able to do that easily. So we provided those and then the rest of the space in the box is just flexible for whatever else you need to store. So no, we're not going to have like exact storage for each individual component, like something like time stories. But we ac I actually think that you're going to find that that's nicer for kind of making the rest of the game your own, whether that be using our premium uh, uh, reclaimed pewter models to represent your ranger tokens or getting your own cool ranger tokens off Etsy or something. <laughs> 
can't wait to see those. Or using the punch board ones. That's also an option. You can yeah. use the punch board ones. Or, or the wooden <laughs> ones. You can get the deluxe ones from us, too. Mm. All right, cool. Um, well, then our next question comes from Juicebox on Discord. And they ask, the last estimated release date I can remember from a while ago was September 2022. With some of the challenges finding a North American printer, among other reasonable things that can cause delays, I'm curious if there is a revised anticipated release date for the game. Uh, yeah, I think, well, it's hard, it's hard to say. So I just posted a uh, Kickstarter update that talked a bit about uh, manufacturing. Obviously, it's not September 2022 because we're in <laughs> September 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, There's no surprise was, uh, drop right now. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I think the thing that um, you know was making me feel pretty good about uh, September 2022 is was the thought that we might be able to like manufacture in the states, and that would have made uh, that would have that would have made the fulfillment of the game, the the time between manufacturing to fulfillment, like almost instantaneous. So if we had been able to manufacture in the States and in Europe simultaneously, everyone would be able to get it, you know, you know, effectively pretty shortly after that. Um, but we ended up running behind by about, we, we looked at our schedule like midsummer, I think it was like in June or May. I can't remember when we looked at it, um, but determined we were about six weeks behind where we had thought we were going to be. Um, and that ended up, you know, pushing the, pushing the time that we'd be done with the game until, um, into, into mid October with, uh, with all the localization. So that pushed all that off. And then we still need to deliver the files to the factory, which right now we're planning on doing in October. Uh, but I don't have the final manufacturing dates from the manufacturer yet. So right now I'm just still working off of their estimates, which, uh, again, I detailed in the latest Kickstarter update, our v- <laughs> the, the date range is very wide. Uh, and this is something they've implemented since you know, like all the COVID-19 supply chain issues that have been ha- happening. Uh, they're just really nervous about saying, oh, we'll have it done in this amount of time and then going to purchase the materials and then finding, oh, no, actually we're going to have to delay it. Uh, so to cover their butts, they have made that duration from either six weeks to 15 weeks after the delivery of the files. So uh, if everything goes perfectly and they can get everything we need and we can get right through the the factory and get everything done, um, the game will be ready, uh, be done manufacturing uh, in December. If things take is you know, at the far end of that of of that estimate, then the game won't be ready until February. So um, right now, I'm waiting to hear from the factory as to what the actual dates are. I was hoping to know by now. Um, I've been hoping to know for a while, uh, but I think it's I will. I'm going to go out on a limb and say within, <laughs> within the next couple of weeks we'll have the final dates. I hope so because we'll have files ready for them, so <laughs> we're ready mm. to go. Uh, so um, as soon as we get the actual dates from them, then I will be able to like really comment uh, on what the fulfillment slash release dates will be. Um, until now, we're just going to have to speculate. So again, mm-hmm. it could be 
you know, it could be like in January of next year. It could be February. It could be March. Um, it's it's really kind of up in the air right now. Uh, so as soon as I have more information, um, I will share that with everybody. Uh, but I would say if you're looking for a safe bet, I would say Q1 of next year, end of Q1, beginning of Q2. That'll be here before you know it. Oh yeah, we're, we're it's it's close. like no it's like no time at all. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think um, uh, I've uh, there were some people there were some people on the Kickstarter I remember reading in the comments who uh, you know we were really I, I was really aggressive with my initial estimates on when we'd be done, um, and uh, so like in the Kickstarter I was hoping for July of this year, so a couple months ago already, and. It, Someone on the Kickstarter, I remember commenting, being really surprised that it was only a year and uh, saying that they thought it would be a year and a half. Uh, that sounded more reasonable to them. And uh, they were totally right. Those They're people correct. were totally right. It's about a year and a half. So, <laughs> uh, which I still think is pretty, which I still think is pretty good. Uh, it's amazing given, for this little team. Given how big the project is. Yeah. And how yes. small it yeah. is. And, and, and thank you everybody for your patience in waiting for us as we get this game done the way we want it to be done. Um, and, you know, figure out all of the logistics around um, factories and everything else. Like, I know it's it's pretty standard for Kickstarters, and honestly, like, it's it's pretty standard for a lot of other publishing. It just happens behind, yeah. all, all the delays happen behind closed doors, so you never, the customer never sees it. The Kickstarter just, you know, opens, mm-hmm. let, lets you see into the process, but... Uh, we still really appreciate all of you being patient and bearing with us as we make sure we get the game right. Yeah, and every, like everyone's been really great. I think uh, no one's gotten angry or anything. Um, and I think the the good thing is is the game's on track. It's not like you know it's going to be years and years down the road <laughs> or not coming at mm-hmm. all. You know, like some Kickstarters. <laughs> so uh, I think it's uh, I, I, I think we could be doing a lot worse. Um, but, right with some with some some of those delays, you, you know that the game is not shaping up right or something. You know, there's yeah, or it could be problem. some some other larger issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think from, but I think the uh, you know, in addition to you know needing to find uh, new manufacturers and you know trying to push for North American manufacturing, uh, obviously that causes some some delay. But I think a lot of the a lot of the extra time really just came from development and not really, we never really scaled back anything that we were doing. Um, <laughs> we, we, had, mm-hmm. we definitely had moments where we could have said, ah, oh, let's cut a bunch of stuff so that we can get this done faster. Uh, but we didn't do that. Uh, we kept the game pretty massive. Um, it didn't really. Yeah, I maybe I maybe scoped. I maybe scoped too big. I was so worried about the valley. I, I was I was telling Andrew this the other day. I was so worried about the valley being too small. And like not feel, fulfilling the promise of the open world, that I you know really worked to make it big, and uh, we don't we definitely don't have the problem of, be, of it being too small right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. <laughs> it's very true. Um, yeah, and I think also you know both mine and Fisher's experience when it comes to project management in particular uh, come from working in a much bigger company with a lot more resources. Uh, you know, which equals people and money um, than we have for this project. So um, I think this process for us has been a really good exercise in recalibrating 
our brains to what we can accomplish uh, in a in a certain time frame with the resources we do have, and I think it's really positive because uh, we can still do a lot. <laughs> we can still we can still do a lot in a in a not incredible amount of time. So. I think it's all yeah, definitely. Good. I, I, and I think your comment on recalibrating is totally right. There's when you work in a environment like a large studio to, to your point, you have a lot of support structure, right? There's a lot of things you don't have to worry about because other people are helping kind of grease the wheels and make sure those things just happen. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you have all that kind of little bits of support all around you. And when, you know, it's just a few of us, uh, we have to do everything. And so, you know, our guts as to time estimation and, and how we block in a timeline and a schedule are kind of based on a lot of that, like not invisible st support structure, but assumed support structure. That's, that's how our guts were tuned. But then when it comes down to it, you know, that estimation of, of when you're going to get something done might slip because of all the little random things that you wouldn't have had to do at a larger company that you have to do at a smaller one just to kind of keep everything else moving and support everything else. I, I've, I've even run into that like this week, you know, with like things that like, you know, kind of get bumped day to day because all this other kind of support stuff kind of stacks on top of you. And so I think we've tuned in a lot of our kind of expectations with regards to that and how we're estimating our projects going forward. All right. Next question comes from Matt. I like this question. It's a simple one. Hey, Earthborn team, can you show us some shaper cards? Maybe just one. <laughs> yes. And what is a what is a shaper card? No, answer card? your question is no. Next question. <laughs> Classic. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, what is a what is a shaper? Yeah. Is that what you ask, Anders? Yeah. Yeah. A, a shaper is a person in the setting who has the ability to uh, alter reality to their like with their with their will so they have this uh, they're kind of like our our settings wizards we always kind of describe them describe them as wizards or like mm. uh space wizards so, so shaper got them like really early on yeah so it's they, specific uh, yes, to earthborn kind of wizard has yes it's specific okay, okay. to earthborn so these people um they spend decades uh practicing studying uh learning how to use this this power because it's a really uh, it's because it's incredibly powerful and it's a really great spot responsibility to be able to, you know, affect reality so immediately. Um, and during that time when they're, when they're studying at this place called the monastery, it's up on this peak that's on a, on a, on a mountain at the edge of the valley. Uh, and you have to climb this stair to get there. And then this number of stairs leading up to the, uh, leading up to the monastery vary from person to person. So your journey to get there might be longer or shorter based on who you are. And um, there's some lore about it that we're still working on, but it's a, uh, it's a weird place where weird stuff happens where people like are just, just focused on this one task, like, like kind of like monks. Mm -hmm. um, and while they're there, they build these things called conduits, which are like stabs. Uh, there are pieces of technology that allow them to channel their intention and then manifest reality however they'd like um, before them. So the uh, the shapers in the core set uh, focus primarily on interacting with the challenge deck. So like changing the winds of fate, um, but they'd also have a lot of like other really cool, powerful effects 
So there's, they're kind of the, I would say the advanced specialty. Like if you really want to get into the, put your fingers into the game and make a lot of crazy stuff happen, uh, then this, this is for you. <laughs> oh, oh for, for sure. Like the, our other three specialties, like, you know, have kind of straightforward focuses. The explorer can travel very well and, and dodge things in the environment. Our conciliator can connect with people and, and, and creatures very well. The artificer is like, builds this engine of stuff in front of them. And then the shaper just does all sorts of wild things. <laughs> so it has, it has a lot less of this like singular defined artifact, uh, 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 not artifact, singularly defined archetype. And instead the shaper does like a bunch of wild effects that like an experienced player has to kind of learn how to use to their advantage. Uh, it's a, uh, it's a very fun one to play, but uh, it's uh, definitely trickier. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, I'll bring, I'll share my screen here really quickly. You're getting your wish, Matt. <laughs> and 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 why? I'm curious how or why uh, Matt might be like excited about this. Is there other than it's a cool card? We haven't shown much of the Ranger cards at all, really. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, we haven't previewed any Ranger cards in any of the Kickstarter updates. I think the only place we've talked about them is on this podcast. Have we have we really not previewed? I I, I think no. I, I sh shared one or two when I was leaking stuff to the Discord, but yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff in there to yeah. share. It's yeah. it's also like like imagine you know like it, it's the the magic user right? It's the the wildest specialty, and we haven't shared much about it. So I can definitely see why Matt is curious. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, pretty soon you'll be able to see every card in the game. So. Uh, <laughs> you just wait a, just wait a little while longer and you know everything will be before you so yeah since i wasn't on the podcast uh last time um we'll use this as my these are a couple of my favorite shaper cards uh so this first one here is called seen through cycles it is a uh, so you see there it says manifestation so most most of the shaper cards not all of them but the vast majority of them are these manifestations where you need, in order to play them, you have to pay the energy cost at the top, but you also need to play a token from a conduit, which is that staff that I told you about. Uh, so they're a little bit more cumbersome to use, but the effects are, are more powerful. So this one allows you to choose a being in play and shuffle it into the path deck and then search the path deck and discard, and discard for a being and put it into play. So you can take... Anything, any being that's in play and swap it out for something that's more preferable to you, uh, which is which is pretty awesome. This really combines uh, two effects that in most cases would be a single card <laughs> themselves. Uh, it, it lets you double duty to get rid of something that might be, uh, might be threatening you and then bring in something that's beneficial, uh, which is pretty cool. I, I have to say that I, I really enjoyed of all the moments I enjoyed working with Wayne on, on these ones for the shapers, because they're just a step further with, you know, how, how we're envisioning the moments and what you can express in them and, and in a unique way. So, um. yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty, they're really cool. I think, yeah, you're right. He did an amazing job with these. I think they're very, uh, they're very imaginative. Um, and then the other card I thought I'd share is a conduit. Uh, there are uh, four conduits uh, in the core set. Um, 
each of them is a uh, max stat required. So um, you'll be picking one of these four cards for your for your shaper based on your based on your high aspect value. So this is the one you'd pick if you were a three fitness shaper, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so it's just response. Uh, after you succeed at a traverse test, add one stride to this conduit, and then you can exhaust it and use X strides to add X progress to a trail. Um, this is incredibly, <laughs> incredibly handy. So like if you want to be a, uh, a, a shaper who can get around the valley quickly and easily um this this is the this is the conduit for you <laughs> uh yeah these um so fisher can you talk a little bit about the uh the like what went into adding these extra benefits to the conduits? yeah definitely so um to kind of explain as you saw the other card had the manifestation uh uh had the manifestation keyword. And so anything with a manifestation keyword requires you to spend a token off of a conduit to play it. So it's kind of this extra cost. And each of our conduits acquires tokens in different ways. This one is very straightforward. Some of our other ones get a little more uh, tricky to use, we'll say. <laughs> Some of them require you to look into the future a bit uh, personally. Uh, and so you, you kind of accrue these tokens in different ways, and then you can use them to um, play your manifestations. Um, so it's kind of like, it's part of how we justify the extra power level of those manifestations is kind of this extra cost, this extra card count that's dedicated to kind of like setting up these abilities. And so it enables us to kind of play in a more powerful space than a lot of other things do. However, Shaper is a specialty, and so it's only part of your deck. It's only, you know, like five cards, six if you also double down on your outside interest into here. Um, and so, like, it's still only a certain percentage of your deck. You might be able to get a couple more manifestations through rewards, but it's never going to be 100% of your cards. And so because of that, these conduits are kind of this double-edged sword of... Um, uh, they can often not have anything to put their tokens into. Uh, you know, you could be playing the little mini game to charge up your conduit, but then you don't have a manifestation for this moment. And so we really had during playtesting a lot of kind of feast or famine with these, these uh, conduits where oftentimes, you know, when the shaper was awesome, they were really awesome. But then there were a lot of kind of downtimes where they were kind of doing all of their fiddly maintenance, but not really engaging in what made a shaper cool. So we kind of, this was during playtesting, and we kind of found that it wasn't quite working, and we knew we wanted to make the shapers feel cool and powerful, and we know, you know, obviously we want all uh, of our different archetypes to be interesting to play <laughs> the vast majority of the time instead of just moment to moment. And so during playtesting, we kind of worked on, a, iterated on a few different versions of conduits, and we eventually landed on this approach where we kind of have each conduit play a little mini game where you have some kind of default outlet for the tokens on your conduit. And some of them are pretty powerful. And, uh, you know, it's not going to rival the, you know, the staff of the Wanderer here is not going to rival an explorer's uh, output as far as putting progress onto trails or other features. The explorer is just going to be better at it. 
but this shaper can kind of channel these resources into it. And this kind of creates this interesting balance where you can kind of have this focus that you're somewhat good at, but you have to kind of balance that against your desire to use your manifestations. And you constantly have this little push and pull of this resource management game on your conduit. And this ended up feeling pretty good in our testing. And so we ended up going with uh, this direction. It made the shaper feel engaged at all times, but still have those big, powerful high highs when they pull off some cool tricks with their manifestations. Yeah, I can verify it's fun to do. <laughs> um, the one other thing about the card, uh, it has these, you may have noticed it has the setup keyword. Um, for those of you listening on Spotify or something, it had a keyword called setup in addition to its conduit keyword. Um, setup is a keyword that uh, lets you I guess, well, it's too late. I'm, I'm going to spoil it. I, I don't know if you were planning on leaving it a mystery, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, it. You can, at the start of each game, you can search through your deck for one card with setup and put it into play. Um, and so this, so you can ensure that you get your conduit into play and kind of start your engine rolling. So you're not going to have to constantly build your deck around making sure you have your conduit out, you can reliably get it out. And the deck and the, the cards are kind of tuned around the fact that you can do that. Um, we use the setup keyword in a few different places, a um, couple, at least one reward, which I won't spoil here, but uh, it, it's kind of a, a nice tool for us to um, do some effects that on a, we need a reliability on the campaign level um, that the Ranger decks can't otherwise provide. Mm -hmm. Andrew, are you okay with him saying that? You look nervous. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can cut it. We well, no, I, I like I was I was prepared for something like big and splashy, but then it was just no. <laughs> Let me tell you about how setup works. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler I, alert. I, I, there's cards in this game. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's okay. I think it's, I think it's cool because it reminds me of all the times playing D and D three point five at lunch when we were all at FFG, we would go to, go into an encounter and. I didn't have my sword drawn beforehand, so I'd have to waste a whole action drawing my sword. It was such a pain in the ass. <laughs> so annoying. That's a quick uh, action well, uh, now. Yeah, no, but in 3.5, it was. It's you can only do it by staying in place or taking a five foot movement or something. It was really annoying. <laughs> so I had to just walk around. With, I have my sword drawn. Okay, we're in a dungeon. I have my sword drawn. <laughs> just to make sure the. <laughs> Well, I'd, I, I'd advise against playing our Artificer then, Evan, because uh, <laughs> a lot of playing our Artificer is gearing up, you know, and like, where did I put that belt pouch? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Well, I did I, I did start to enjoy that um, when I played as Iron Man in Marvel Champions. I loved getting all the pieces of armor equipped and ready to go. That was, that was a very satisfying mm -hmm. thing. I yeah, suppose he's like the Artificer of champions isn't he <laughs> exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. well swell our final question comes from rover on kickstarter kickstarter the campaign made several commitments to recyclable and biodegradable materials across all components but this seems compromised now even considering the environmental benefits touted by ludo fact could you clarify which aspects of the project are still trying to meet this goal? Yes. 
So uh, for your edification, Anders, Ludifact is the factory that we are printing with in okay. Germany. I see. And uh, I'm so we're not compromising on, on any of the material, any of the materials uh, that we we discussed in the in the Kickstarter. And this is the whole this is the whole point of going to Ludifact in Germany is that they'll be able to make it to our specifications. Uh, where we could not find a manufacturer in the United States or North America that could do that um, in any reasonable amount of time. So uh, so everything that we talked about on the Kickstarter, uh, as far as the core set goes, is still true. Um, everything's, all the paper is FSC certified, uh, which is, you know, everything in the game. So for the box, the cards, the rule books, the punch board, all 100% FSC certified. Uh, everything is also coated in a um, dispersion coating, which is a uh, which is a water-based coating, as opposed to like a uh, a petrol-based like UV coating, um, which makes everything um, more recyclable. Uh, we're also not using any cord cards, so uh, we talked about cord cores on a couple of the episodes, I think, which is that adhesive. It goes in between two pieces of, of paper. It's uh, it's usually black. It's on playing cards. Uh, that also um, uh, makes it so that you can't uh, recycle cards. So uh, it doesn't have that. So they're, it's 100% recyclable. So everything should be 100% recyclable slash compostable. Uh, just like we promised. There's no plastic in the in the product at all. We're all using it's everything's paper. Um, the one place where we might have a tiny bit of plastic is we will likely have a sticker that seals the box mm. um, just to keep it in place. Uh, there's, we talked about maybe doing like a paper sleeve around the box itself. Um, we'll see, but it's, it's probably going to be a, like a little sticker. So I guess technically speaking, we'll have like a two pieces of plastic, maybe this big total in the entire game um, that are just going to be those stickers. Uh, but everything else is uh, exactly how we described it in the Kickstarter. And that's the whole point of going to, to Germany. If we had gone to a U.S. manufacturer, um, a couple of them would have been able to do it uh, this this year still. But in order to do that, we would have had to compromise on pretty much everything. Um, we mm. wouldn't have been able to do any of the cardstock we wanted to do. None of it would have been FSC. Probably would have been Black Core. Um, yeah, it would have been a much more compromised production. And that's really what made me ultimately decide to uh, just do everything in Europe because that was the one place where we could do it to the actual uh, specifications we talked about on the on the Kickstarter. And while we reached a, uh, a stretch goal to do manufacturing in the United States, um, it wasn't part of the initial, uh, the initial vision for it. Uh, it, was a, it was a stretch goal. It was a hope. Uh, that we reached and that was really uh, really stinks that we weren't able to do that especially since we were able to achieve that in the united states i was not happy with not being able to follow through with that at all um but in the end uh i felt like the benefits of manufacturing sustainably with sustainable materials outweighed doing a non-sustainable production in the United States, um, especially since we're manufacturing in Europe. Uh, and like I talked about in the Kickstarter demo, 
uh, or a Kickstarter, uh, sorry, not Kickstarter demo, the Kickstarter uh, update, most recent one. Um, Ludofact, if if they were if they were in the U.S., they'd be perfect because they're doing everything that I wanted a manufacturer to do. Uh, their their factory is uh, 100% solar powered, which is awesome to me. That's just like icing on the cake. Uh, but they also it's source amazing. all of their uh, they source all their material uh, regionally. So all the paper that they're getting, all the paper that's going to be in this product, will have come from only a few kilometers away from the uh, from the factory itself. And um, a lot of our copies are staying in Europe. So I think especially when you factor in our, uh, our foreign partners, I think in the end, uh, we'll actually have more copies of the game staying in Europe than we will have shipped out. So in some ways, it's still kind of fulfilling that ideal of manufacturing in the region of sale, which is something I talked about prior to the Kickstarter. That's a, still a goal of mine. Um, and it's not perfectly in the region of sale because we're still going to have to ship some stuff across the ocean to the states, uh, but the majority of those of that product is going to be staying on in Europe. So, um, so that's a good thing. Uh, it's much better than it coming from China for sure. Yeah, we're, we're shipping over a much smaller ocean than <laughs> if we had moved the production to China. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the the thing that stinks though is you know China and, and Germany are like the only like they they can do FSC right. China can do FSC like that. There's a I've, there are multiple factories that have reached out to me <laughs> from China that have talked about their FSC capabilities. Um, mm. You always have to take that with a bit of a grain of salt. I think uh, I feel like I've talked about this before. You you never quite know with a Chinese factory how honest of a presentation you're getting because uh, mm. you can't necessarily go there and check it out or like look at any of their papers or anything and. Mm. I've had plenty of personal experience with Chinese factories who have said they would do we're doing a thing that weren't actually doing a thing that we'd find <laughs> years later. Yeah. So I feel much more comfortable going with uh, going with Ludifact um, uh, and uh, seeing all their certifications and then you know all of their uh, all the initiatives that that they're um, that they're taking uh, to be more ecologically minded just on their own. Um, they align really well with uh, with Earthborn's vision and our and our values. So, um, so I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with it. You know, minus the fact that we're not going to be printing in the states this time around, um, I'm really happy. We couldn't have asked for a better, I think, a better partner unless they were located here. Awesome. Um, yeah. Cool. I thought Fisher maybe had something to say, but uh, <laughs> I have a mosquito flying around. You're winding that, like, up. I, I really want to crush, but it's... I know I've got a fly in my face here. Got insect problems, people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you for your questions, everybody. We appreciate them and keep sending them in. We we answer them all. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what's been keeping you guys busy at the uh, the office. Who do, who's going to go first tonight? Do we start with Evan? I think it's Evan's turn to talk. No? Sure. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. can start with Evan. Sure. Um, Take it away. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but uh, <laughs> it's just art, art stuff. But um, unlike last week when I said almost, or two weeks ago, sorry, um, 
when I was saying almost all the art was in and that the next step would be treating all the art um, mm -hmm. for the um, Adobe InDesign files, which are how we're um, sort of laying out these cards and delivering uh, to the factory. Um, all the art is in now and I've completed hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, I know it's insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can add that in. You can add that in along with the, the music. <laughs> um, but I'm almost done with all the art treatment too, which is a time-consuming process. It pretty much took me all last week for the most part. Um, so I think the next step is there's a few outstanding, I mean, there's a few pieces that I have to touch up. Um, and then I'll drop those into, I'll put those through the treatment process. Uh, and then we're going to hopefully for sure you can find some time to generate another round of cards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Export all the cards with their yeah. final art in them. Yeah, yeah. That'll be awesome. And then there'll be like a, probably a, a sanity check where we just all go through those cards, what they're the digital versions of what will be handed off to the, well, the digital versions go to the factory, but we'll be seeing as close to the final product as possible and we can make some last minute adjustments to the art and how it interacts with the card frames and stuff. Because I don't know if I, I know that some people on discord have noticed that the card art breaks out of the card frames um, on occasion, which is kind of a fun thing to do. Um, that doesn't happen too often, uh, I guess in card games. So. Cause it's um, so, cause it's so much more work to do it that way. <laughs> I know it's fun though. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's very time intensive, right? To like figure out how it's going to break frame and like mm -hmm. make sure it's not interfering with any text and everything. Yeah. And but it looks so good. Well, it looks what, so good. I, I remember seeing uh, a new iteration of the path cards and seeing that the art window gained or lost a line or two of text and being like, well, that changes the uh, pop out and having to revisit, <laughs> which is fine. It's totally fine. But, you know, um, but it's, I think it's worth it. Makes it very dynamic looking and cool. Uh, so shortly after those few tasks I have lined up this week, I'm, I'm going to move into some more graphic design stuff. I'll be working on the graphical layout of the packaging for the Ranger Doubler package, um, which Andrew and I already spoke of this morning. And uh, I have a pretty solid idea of the direction I want to go and I'm looking forward to jumping into that. It's always fun changing gears and from art to graphic design. Um, not in the moment, not like when I'm doing art and then have to jump to graphic design, but to just close the chapter of art and then move on to, to graphic design is, is something that I always look forward to. So, so yeah, that's yeah, pretty exciting. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, yeah, we took a while to uh, land on the packaging for the uh, for the card doubler because I was uh, I was hoping that Ludo would have a um, like a pre made box tool that would work really well for it, um, or we could do like something really simple like uh, just like a corrugated thing that was you know not super fancy but was functional, um, but. Uh, they, they didn't have any of that stuff, so in the end, it's going to be almost like it was like the same kind of form factor as it was during the Kickstarter. So just a standard standard box. Mm 
Yes, <laughs> Fisher. Fisher, I keep looking at you. It looks like you're winding up to say something, and I wait, <laughs> and then don't look at my face. Okay, don't look well, at my face, Anders. <laughs> well, do, that... do you want to do you want to talk about uh, what you what you've been busy with? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you good, Evan? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, that, I was gonna say that's like the equivalent of the older brother winding up like they're gonna punch the younger <laughs> brother. Like, oh, I oh. am hold. I was kind of holding up my hand in a fist. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I think, like four times so far, you, it, I've looked at you and you're like, <sighs> like you're about to say something. All right, I'll keep a very straight face now. So that, that's <laughs> the explanation for the awkward silences previous. It's been about four of them so far. <laughs> it's all Fisher's face's fault. Well, a little bit my fault. It's a 50-50. Um, <laughs> Just don't look at me. Okay. <laughs> all, right, um, all right. Move on to you. My work. Uh, yeah, I've been um, doing all sorts of stuff. Uh, probably the thing that's been taking up the most of my time is actually translation stuff. I'm not doing the translation myself. Um, our partners are all translating, which, you know, in an ideal world, we were talking earlier about all sorts of tasks like that kind of creep in and add to time. And, I, you know, in an ideal world, you know, like you send off the game and people translate it and they're doing all the work. And, uh, you know, like there, then there's foreign language versions of your game. But in actuality, there's a bunch of stuff we have to do as they are kind of doing their translations. So it's a lot more work than you might think. Um, you know, you have all these different people who are all in your game files, um, all kind of like reading through, interpreting different effects and um, asking questions and like trying to figure out, you know, like how is this keyword intended to be used in the future? Like, you know, an English word might be perfect for how we want to use it going forward, but that same word translated into German might not you know, like, uh, I think one of the questions today was about a keyword where, you know, it's only currently used on beings. And they were asking, will this be used on features in, in the future? And uh, because, like, if we translate it into this word in German and it's used on a feature, it'll be really weird because just that word doesn't quite frame the same as it does in English. And so a lot of questions like that about future intentions, about intentions behind things, about world-building information. So we're spending a lot of time, you know, like... Uh, working with the partners to make sure that they're translating the game in the best way possible. Uh, the other thing about the translation that's uh, a bit unique from some other projects is that we're able to do the translation now before the English project is at the printer. You know, a lot of like games will be uh, published, printed, and then people will localize them. So they're kind of set in stone. Uh, they're already this kind of fixed product and then people translate it. So we have people working on it, you know, well before we've sent it, the English copies to the printer. And so this is a double-edged sword. Uh, on, on, on one hand, uh, it's really awesome because people translating the game uh, do an incredibly thorough job of reading through everything and understanding every little minutia about your game. They have to to translate it properly, right? They, they go through with this fine-tooth comb way more than a play test, most playtesters might. And they have a deeper understanding of rules and the execution of the game than like a proofreader might um, because they have to translate all of the rules and understand how they're all interrelating. And so they actually do give your game a very thorough going through and can actually catch a lot of things and, and find a lot of things. And it enables us, if they're doing it while we still are working on the game, to make fixes and improvements based on the things they find. Uh, 
the double-edged sword comes in in if you fix and change something based on the translator's feedback and three different, many different people are translating it. Uh, everybody needs to be aware of this change. So it creates a lot of tracking and organization as you have to make sure that any changes to the game are reflected and run by everybody else so that everybody's version of the game stays the same. So this kind of management work ends up being quite a bit of time just kind of juggling all of this organization to get the game translated and also you know, benefit from it in this case, uh, improve the game as we're kind of coming to the finish line. Uh, so that's been a bunch of time uh, doing translation stuff. I love um, that channel though on our Discord. Uh, yeah, it's really fun. I mean, I, I have, I've only answered you, you answer the bulk of the things, but I've been able to get in there and answer a couple of them, but I, I just love seeing everyone working together and, uh, getting this, getting this thing done. It's really cool. And I think the conversations in there have been fantastic and incredibly helpful. Yeah, we, yeah, we, so we threw, um, all of our partners together and a discord channel so that we can all talk about questions together. So, you know, it, if if they if we were kind of independently working with everybody, you know, I might have to answer the same question, you know, for every partner we're working with. But instead, by putting them together, they can kind of collaborate, and you know, one person can ask a question, I can answer it, and then other people's uh, other partners can take the insights from that. And so that, that has been really fun. Mm -hmm. Though the time difference is is killing me a little because uh, most of our partners are in Europe, <laughs> and so they start working, and it's like the middle of the night for us. And I, mm -hmm. I get up to, to bring the dog out to pee at like, you know, like 5 a.m., 3, 4 a.m., somewhere in there. And like, you know, I take my phone with me because your aforementioned phone on the nightstand. And, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> like I'll start reading partner questions <laughs> and like when I'm going to go back to bed and then my brain goes into work mode. And oh, no. So, uh, resist. I know. Resist <laughs> I need to resist until I, I get to my desk in the morning. Mm -hmm. uh, you need that sleep. But there, there are nice things to the offset when you're working with people in a different time zone because like the, there only being a certain overlap means that you have to focus your communication in that time and you both get time to like just kind of work on your own thing. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of cordons your over, overlap to a distinct period of time, which can be kind of nice. Yeah. That's cool. Um, but anyway, other stuff I'm working on... Um, is uh, um, Brooks, uh, who did a lot of the development for the core set, um, as well as kind of our first expansion, um, has uh, gotten other job opportunities and um, won't be able to do as much work on Rangers. And so we've been kind of working on bringing some new people on um, and training up some new developers to work on Rangers. So I've been kind of working with our newer developers uh, getting them kind of used to the game and like starting on early concepts with them as they kind of pick up some of our expansion work. So that's been really fun. Uh, getting fresh minds on it is, is always cool. Like there's, there's always the challenges of finding new people that like, you know, it's, it's rare that somebody's experience set is going to perfectly cover the thing that you need, but you know, somebody's experience, somebody might have like, just an amazingly deep experience set in one element of your project that they can bring this like perspective that your team didn't have otherwise to it. And so it's always very fun to kind of bring somebody on and help them kind of figure out the stuff they don't know and then see like benefit from 
their kind of deep well of knowledge uh, and what they might bring to the project that you wouldn't have. Uh, so it's been cool to onboard some people. Uh, we'll maybe be able to talk about more specifics as we kind of dive into that work, but I've been kind of working on that. Uh, last thing is uh, getting the, the lore book ready for everybody. I, I'm sorry, Andrew, I still haven't uh, uh, fully laid it out. <laughs> no, it's it, okay. See, see, see previous things about other tasks creeping into your well you know we have a couple weeks we still have a couple weeks to finish laying it out so everything's fine everything's fine yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i said i think it's gonna go really fast oh Uh, yeah yeah no i'm not worried i'm i'm excited to get to it like uh like i mentioned um earlier i i I finally put together a uh a to-do list like handwritten everything that's (laughs) been in my brain it's just kind of been like clogging the, the pipes. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I don't know what it's like. It's like, I think we've talked about this before, you know, how like the things that are good for you, oftentimes there's like this internal resistance that is yeah. kind of inexplicable where yeah. I'll be like sitting around thinking, oh man, I really should make that to-do list because that would really be helpful. And then there's a part of me that's like, nah, it's fine. You know, you know everything <laughs> you need to do. Don't worry about it. Uh, and then they'll, they'll, there's a day and I wake up and I'm like, oh, what was that thing? And I don't remember. And I'm like, oh, sh- shit. <laughs> what was it? I hope it wasn't important. So yeah. uh, anyway, my to-do list is massive. It is massive. Oh, yeah. So I have plenty of things to do. Um, but I do, have the art bo- I do have the art and lore book on here as one of my higher priority items. So I'm looking yeah, forward yeah. to doing I'll, it. I'll, it's on the list. It'll, it'll get there. Seen, <laughs> speaking of to-do lists... You've seen mine. You've yeah, seen yeah. The, the the notion board. I Yours have, is uh, awesome, though. It's so organized and thoughtful. Like I love your approach. I don't know if you talked about it on this on this podcast before. Would you be willing no, to share I, your like your ritual, which I, I think is great. I'd <laughs> yeah, love, to, I'd I, love I, to get to that point personally. I, I probably I probably could share it at one point. Maybe I'll maybe I'll think about doing that next next week. I need to go in through and prep pull out spoilers and I have my personal stuff is all in there too. So I I can, I can prep some, some, some information to show (laughs) off, but I have a very comprehensive personal organization system that I use notion for. Uh, so yeah, maybe I can talk about that next, next podcast. So tune in (laughs) (laughs) for super exciting notion. boards. (laughs) I'm sure there are some Um, people that that would eagerly await that. Yeah, I think so. It's a pretty good system. I, I, I researched good. it. I, I researched it from all sorts of people on YouTube who had millions of views. So clearly, somebody is interested in it. Oh wow! Yeah. Have you, uh, Fisher, have heard of the Have you heard of the HBO Max show, The Rehearsal? Is this the the Nathan for you? Is this? Yeah, did we this talk the guy about from... it? Oh, did you? Oh, that's get... right. Oh. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think Anders brought it up. Right. Okay. It, yeah, I, maybe you so... went on yeah. that week. Yeah. Megan and I just started watching it, and I was reminded of that show there's an aspect to it that uh, makes me curious about what your setup is like because <laughs> i think because it's so meticulous yeah this he has these i don't know they, they look like nodes connecting to each other for different branching paths of processes or di- like interactions with people so oh right yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> never mind maybe, maybe not it's maybe really not good show. that far it's a really good show it's, it's amazing it's an amazing show Anyway, for my that that covers a lot of things I'm doing. I'm doing a, okay. a bunch of other stuff, but that, those are the those are the highlights. Um, that that that's what I've been up to lately. 
Sounds wonderful. Andrew. Yes. Navarro, what have you been doing? You know what, man? I, I was trying <laughs> to think when I was writing this list, I was like, what, what have I done this past couple, past like week and a half since I've been back? And it's just a, it's a blur uh-huh. um, as, as usual. Uh, but yeah, we're just putting the finishing touches on things. So I have, you know, a bunch of little notes of like things I want to try to do before this game goes out the door. Uh, tiny little things that are very much uh, nice to haves, as you, as software developers will will say, um, when you're looking at your list of features, there are, there are a lot of nice to haves, um, but uh, definitely not necessary. Uh, but I've been kind of playing around with some of those things. I've been finalizing uh, quotes with manufacturers. So that's been really exciting. So uh, yeah, we're finalizing uh, everything with Ludafact and uh, should have a purchase order for, from them um, very, very soon, uh, which is super exciting. And we have all the manufacturers lined up for all of our other, uh, for all the add-ons, uh, which is great. Um, I don't think I've really talked very much about what all of our manufacturers are for those. Um, but we have a pretty awesome manufacturer for the uh, energy tokens, um, for the deluxe tokens in uh, in Germany. Um, it is like this like small the small company. They are um, they're not FSC certified, but they're the German equivalent of FSC certification. Um, and uh, they're like a really really small operation, um, so that's really cool. Uh, that's pretty much ready to go. Obviously, we have our pewter miniatures, which you know that's been <laughs> that's been set for the longest time, uh, and we're, we'll be. Uh, I just got a message today saying that I, we have updated um, uh, updated samples coming, which is very excited, exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, our uh, art book uh, manufacturer is in uh, Lithuania. Um, we had a couple quotes for the art book, uh, both from a Lithuanian factory and one in the UK, uh, the Lithuanian one was, uh, much, much, much more affordable. Also still 100%, uh, FSC certified. And, um, we, uh, I should be getting samples soon of the play mats, uh, and the play mats that is a, that is a, uh, a North American company. So we got one thing at the very least, uh, in the U S and that is our, that is our play mats. Um, so yeah, getting all that stuff, getting all that stuff finalized, uh, that's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, I met yesterday. On, <laughs> it was it was a holiday in the states uh, for our international listeners. Um, it's it's Labor Day, uh, which is a you know a day a, a celebration of the of the worker. It, um, a lot of people still work on Labor Day, though. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, most people still work on Labor Day, I think, uh, especially in like retail jobs and, uh, and and food service. Yeah, especially the people who are doing the most laborious yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, as uh, my high school football coach once said, it's Labor Day. That means we're going to labor. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> uh-huh. Womp womp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, coach. Um, <laughs> But I, uh, I met with Corey yesterday and we talked uh, about our uh, marketing plan over the next uh, several months. And uh, we were putting together a roadmap for the, uh, for the pre-order store and then all of our previews and content that will be uh, showing on the website between now and when, um, and when the game launches. 
so that was uh, that was pretty cool to start laying uh, that groundwork finally. Because um, Corey has been, you know, we brought Corey on to help with the website and with the marketing, and uh, he spent the first few months of his employment just helping with the art, which has been great, and helping with the renders. He's a very talented artist uh, and uh, and digital sculptor. Um, so he has a lot to lot lot to bring to the table. So we definitely took advantage of that. But now that that's that work is done, we're shifting gears uh, to promotional things. So um, we finally have a uh, a plan for getting the pre order store launched, uh, which you know I'll talk about with you guys on Thursday. Corey's going to bring the calendar, and we'll talk about it. So you guys have any uh, thing you want to add to it? Sweet. Um, but yeah, I'm hope we're I'm hoping that we will be launching the pre-order store at the end of this month. So, uh, so those of you who are listening, who are waiting for that, stay tuned. Uh, it should be very soon. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So that's, um, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Wonderful. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks, Anders. <laughs> Thanks, Anders. I do appreciate YouTube, that. YouTube, buddy. Did, did you oh. see? Did you see the comments? There were there were YouTube comments last time talking about. There were. Uh, there were some. Yeah. There were some things they liked about you. Oh, were there? <laughs> there are a couple. Yeah. Nice. I appreciated them a lot. Thank you to those two people. I thanked you in the comments, so you already know. I mean, it sounds like <laughs> but you it could was just key. have a. I was going to say you could have a podcast, in addition to this, where you just talk about all the indie games you're playing. That's true. There's a guy. There's a guy. Yeah, side who, channel. Who said he appreciated my my game recommendations, and I'm curious which ones he's played. Um, he's gonna love. <laughs> I don't know if he'll be able to play the one that I want to talk about tonight in our next segment um, about what we're into. Um, I didn't think I had anything to to share because I haven't really been playing anything new. But then I remembered when I was in Oregon we went down to seaside and seaside is kind of a jersey shore kind of boardwalky kind of town you know a bunch of you know that that kind of thing coney island looking place okay she's like hey let's go in here let's go in this oh let's go in this uh, room right here and i we went into this arcade it was like an offshoot of the arcade and it was just this the whole room was lined with these um games it's not skee ball it's it's like a countertop where you sit on a stool it's called fascination um it i think it's from like the 1920s it, it felt like a really well-maintained old game from the 20s but it's it's maybe like 40 40 uh tables where you can sit down and you roll this little rubber ball um down the the alley is that what you call it so you call it when you, the lane uh, you roll it down the lane and you you uh, there's there's maybe 25 holes in a grid and you have to and when you get the ball into a hole it'll light up a light on the board and you have to get five in a row and you're competing against everybody in the room so it's all everybody's uh. playing at once it's a quarter you just set a quarter down next to you and they walk around and they collect your quarter as you're playing and uh, the round is over when somebody gets five in a row and it was at first and there's like a little ramp you have to get the ball over, which kind of makes it a little more luck based um, because you can't really, uh, I think you're muted, Andrew. Um, you can't, I mean, I think there was, there was a guy who was like winning every game. So there's gotta be some kind of skill involved, but 
<laughs> as it went on, I, I start. I was kind of watching him like, oh, you got to kind of roll it a little slower. And once I started figuring out the method, it got really, really addicting <laughs> and fun. And it's just kind of like relaxing. You're just sitting there with your buds. It's only a quarter around. And uh, we it looks back. amazing. Yeah, it's like, it looks yeah, it really, it's really like cool. Ski so ball cool. meets bingo kind yeah. of. Yeah. Or like yeah. tic-tac-toe almost. Yeah. Apparently there's only like six of these left in the country. Six of these... Um, little parlors i guess wow that so, looks great i think they should bring it back i'd love to play it is there I know. any is there anyone that's is there any uh fascination parlor around here near us i don't know maybe I need can to... can wonderland that they get a lot no, of old maybe. yeah they don't old have stuff. it it definitely is a relic of you know pre-1950 it felt like but really well maintained like it was yeah it was so nice it was cool it just, the images it just on the internet are really nice. It, lo- it looks really cool. I wonder if that's your uh, where you were. Seaside, yeah. If you're in Seaside, check it out. Yeah, um, when you Google it, Seaside it. comes right up. It, it's like one of the first results. So I know it's, I, it's pretty rare. My sister There's one in Pennsylvania too. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know. What, probably similar distance from here. Um, <laughs> she's not really into that kind of thing, so she was just like, "Oh, this is kind of fun." But I was like, "Whoa." <laughs> this is a hidden treasure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was super cool. So, uh, yeah. That's great. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Evan, your turn. Oh, are we in the stuff we're, we're in doing? The, yeah, stuff we're doing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I forgot segment. to mention. I forgot to segue into it. I just Sorry. kind of started talking. Um. I was, I'm like you, Anders, I'm not really doing a whole heck of a lot of time, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, I, I have been meaning to watch the um, Light and Magic, that Disney Plus series about the formation of ILM, ILM Industrial Light and Magic, and it's really cool. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I've always loved the uh, peeking behind the curtain and how things are made. It's It's basically... Uh, I'm only three or four episodes in, and it's it has covered how George Lucas pulled together a team of people to like produce and make Star Wars, and then Empire Strikes Back, and and how they sort of blazed the trail in um, the technology and uh, special effects and stop motion and stuff like that. And it really reminded me of back in the day when I used to go to the library with my mom when I was a kid and I would get the same book over and over and over. It was just this horror movie behind the scenes, the making of all these horror movies like the mummy and creature from the black lagoon. And they would show production photos of the guy getting in and out of his uh, creature from the black lagoon costume. And I was, it was so fascinating. And Mm -hmm. I think it's this, I like all that stuff for the same reason I like illustrating working in Photoshop and uh, making stuff in Blender. It's just kind of, it's kind of like doing magic, you know, um, it's, it's really fun. And yeah, there was a, in an alternate universe, I would have gone after high school to California to, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Thomas, Tom Savini. Um, he's mm-hmm. like a horror movie makeup artist. He's ubiquitous. Uh, he worked on Dawn of the Dead and mm. Day of the Dead and a countless other horror movies. Um, 
doing cool special effects and or, i mean makeup and stuff and yeah that was always a supreme interest of mine my, i had a cousin he and i were just obsessed with so you were going to go out there and apprentice with him <laughs> yeah i mean uh, well he has a school so um oh okay mm. oh that'd be tom, cool tom savini's school for makeup or something um <laughs> and i always wanted to go but i was just wasn't bold enough to it's never too know, late take man. the first step yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> well it's so cool when you look at pictures these people are making busts of creatures to make yeah. latex masks and things it's man it's so cool um isn't there like a reality competition show there was like that? yeah or something like that yeah. yeah who's the like who's the most famous makeup guy you know tom savini something creature <laughs> isn't there someone else another another name Maybe, well there probably is i'm somebody's yeah. creature workshop or something is that jim henson i don't know no not. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna figure it out keep talking <laughs> oh yeah so um that's that's something that I've been into. Uh, the other thing that I'm really into that I haven't done in a long time, but I will tomorrow, is play a game called Tichu, um, which is a four-player. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. It's a four-player trick-taking game. Um, I think it's it's similar to Bridge. Is that what is is Bridge like Tichu, or uh, kind of like Euchre? Kind of like, Euchre, like yeah, Euchre. yeah. Well, Tichu is basically or Presidents Spades. and Assholes, if you've ever played the Presidents and Assholes. Oh, yeah. Well, I I don't know. Is it really? I guess. I'm not yeah, sure. yeah. It's oh, pretty okay. similar. But well, like, like, it, it, it has all the, the special cards. So it's basically like P&A, but you add in all the like special cards to it. Okay. Well, now you're making it sound like I'm going to go to some college party. Yeah, get all drunk and <laughs> game. No, Teacher no. is amazing. Yeah, Teacher's great. But um, I, I'm meeting up with some old coworkers of ours. Uh, if you guys remember Preston Stone, um, yeah, who was oh, our yeah. director at FFG's cool name. Had, yeah, he and he's Preston Stone. He's staying with Corey right now. Yeah. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Oh man, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, well, <laughs> so he he's an art director, I believe, at uh, Atomic Mass Games. Um, yeah. And he and. Caitlin Ginther, who is a graphic designer at FFG, and Chris Beck, who just started working at Chip Theory uh, as a graphic designer. We're all getting together, and we're going to play Teach You like we did in the old days, pre-COVID, nice, sweet. at the office during lunch. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. Te- teach, you, teach You was huge at FFG, like, years and years ago. We had, like, a, we had a whole Teach You tournament. I won. You John, you were you yeah. won? Yeah, John. Oh, wow. I, I washed I washed out, I, I washed yeah. out like right in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so great. I love it. Yeah, I only played a couple of times. Uh, I remember I played once with Chris and I I remember thoroughly irritating him, uh, Chris Beck, <laughs> because I didn't really know what to do. You know, and he's like, Oh, why would you do you know, you why would yeah. you ever play that thing? I'm like, Man, I don't know. Like I've just learned this game. It's, he was Get, that game got very intense. Uh, that reminds me <laughs> that people took I, it very seriously. I used to deliver pizzas in college and in my hometown, and my brother's friends ordered a pizza and I delivered it to them. And they were playing poker, and they invited me to play poker with them after I, my shift ended. So I I don't play cards other than teach you. I know next to nothing about poker, and I decided to show up just for fun and. I was making all these bad calls and winning, and they were getting so <laughs> mad at me because I didn't know what I was doing. But because uh-huh. they couldn't yeah. read me, I guess because I, I wasn't making yeah. logical decisions. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Uh, Turn it into a game of chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so that's what I, I'm very much looking forward to that tomorrow. That's awesome. Are you going to the game center? Are you going to do it like, are they going to um, ask, ask uh, Strange Stars guys to let you go no. into the office and do it in their I, atrium? I would I would definitely go to the center, but I think we're going to meet at um, Lake Monster out, outside. Oh, nice. Lake Monster Brewing. So. Oh, Sweet. yeah. Which is pretty awesome. close to our yeah our place. Over yeah, there. it's just down the street, really. Yep. Down University. I'll give them all my best. I will. Me too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, what, do you, what have you been into? Yeah, well, so, you know, speaking of uh, reunions, we did our uh, fantasy football league drafts this past weekend. And... Oh, you still doing Nate's oh, yeah. fantasy football league? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, I've been in a couple uh, a couple FFG centered the fantasy football leagues for a very long time, <laughs> like maybe fourteen years, fifteen years, and uh, one of the leagues I had left for a while because we changed formats and I, I we went from a snake draft to an auction format. I don't know if you guys are familiar with fantasy football, but uh, snake draft is like a typical. It's like a uh, you know, like you draft a collectible card game. You just kind of just go down the let go down the row. Just so you're you're passing. Your everyone gets a turn to pick something, and then you get to the end. You bring it all the way back around. In auction, you put up a player for auction, and then everyone bids on it. And you have a budget, a certain amount of money you can spend on players. You need to make sure you have enough money to get everybody. And yeah, I love auction. Is yeah. Well, the first couple times I played auction, I did horribly. Oh and yeah, that league had the most expensive buy-in, so it was like a couple of years where I was just like, "Why don't I just give you the money and then I don't, I won't play <laughs> instead of uh, <laughs> wasting all of our time." Um, so I got out of it for a while, but uh, while I was on, uh, while I was in uh, South Dakota, Nate sent me a text and asked me if I'd be interested in getting back into that league. And I uh, thought about it for a few days. I thought about it a little bit more. I'm like, ah. All right. Then I sent up a text like, hey, did you find anybody? He's like, no, we haven't. I'm like, all right, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that was really fun. So yeah, it's, on Saturday, we drafted for one league. And then on Sunday, we drafted for another. The auction was on Sunday. And uh, it was great seeing um, seeing Nate again. And uh, Lucas Litzinger came into town. He's in the leagues also. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that was cool. He came into town last year, too. Uh, so it was really great to see Lucas again. Um, He's uh seems like he's doing really well out th- well out there. He works at Wizards, Wizards of the Coast. Um, he's working on magic right now. Uh, and he did the uh, the latest digital release um, that came out a couple months ago. Uh, what's that? What's the name of it again? I was just googling it. I actually don't remember. Um, yeah, he was lamenting the the lack of <laughs> the lack of marketing support. That I know they it got. just kind of like dropped out of nowhere, right? Yeah. But apparently their numbers are looking pretty good, so uh, he was he was feeling pretty good about it. Um, but obviously that that game took a lot longer to uh, complete than they originally anticipated. Um, but uh, yeah, it was great to see him. And then uh, also Mercedes was there; she was our auctioneer on Sunday. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, Mercedes is a graphic designer at uh, she's the now the manager of the graphic design department at uh, at FFG. So she was our she was our auctioneer. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Tony Deppner was there too. I don't know if you guys know him. Um, Evan Kinney and a couple other guys from the warehouse. Um, yeah, so that was really, really great. So spent a lot of time at Buffalo Wild Wings. 
Uh, <laughs> how, in a lot how, of ways. How, did you, how do you feel about the team you ended up with? Do you feel like you made good decisions? My Saturday team was bad. I felt like I drafted really poorly. I was in the sixth spot. I didn't really have a good strategy going in. Mm. Uh, I wasn't really didn't really wasn't really feeling it. Um, but Sunday in the auction, uh, I really liked the team I came out with. Uh, I drafted like really a completely different team almost from my um, from my Saturday team. I got my Packers on both teams uh, as, 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 re- as requirements. Um, who, did, who did you pay the most money for? Do you remember who uh, I paid the most, most for, expensive player? I think Jamar Chase was my most okay. expensive player. He's a wide receiver for the Bengals. He's, you know, he, was, he had a really huge breakout season last year, so we'll see if he can, uh, he can replicate that. He does play for the Bengals, though, so it felt a little <laughs> bit weird about paying that much money for a Bengal, but I um, have to sort of recalibrate my expectations for the Bengals. Since they got to the Super Bowl last year, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I feel I feel really good about that team. Um, I just like it's been a while since I felt good about a team, so we'll see we'll see if that pays off. I haven't I haven't won a league in a couple of years, so I was on a pretty good roll. I won like three out of four years, uh, and then I haven't won for the last couple. Oh, dang. So yeah, so I'm 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 primed for a comeback this year. <laughs> uh, and then uh, last few days, I've been listening a lot to the new Megadeth album which came out a couple <laughs> days ago uh, called The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead. Uh, it is uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh-huh. I, I put it solidly in the middle of their catalog. Um, they have a, a couple a couple pretty awesome songs on there. And um, Is this like a return, or have they been solidly putting out music? It's been uh, 2016 was the last album they put out, so it's been a, it's been a hot minute. But mm-hmm. um, Dave Mustaine, the, the lead guy, he had cancer in the middle there. So, mm. And throat cancer on top of that. Wow. So, uh, yeah, the fact that he can you know, still vocalize at all is uh, pretty awesome. Um, his voice screaming? does sound a little bit tired, uh, a, a little bit more is- tired, but... What's that? Does he do the high metal voice? No, it's more like ah, the kind of okay. Yeah, like yeah. he mid-range. he does. He, it's a little bit more melodic. Um, uh, like it's it's funny. My kids are so used to metal that when I was playing this in the car, my my son Sam is like, his game. He's, he's like, I I wish his voice was a little more gobliny. <laughs> but uh you know awesome. back in the day like his voice was one of the more extreme voices but it's become i think uh kind of a more kind of acceptable this is all right to listen to uh metal voice um, they're you know they're pretty they're they're you know one of the more pop one of the most popular metal bands of all time so you know there's obviously right. a, a little bit of a crossover there but you know, I I think it's pretty cool, and a couple of pretty awesome songs on there. So if uh, I, I I definitely recommend people check it out. Awesome. That's all I've been doing. I've cool. been reading a little bit more Fellowship of the Ring too. Uh, that's uh, been fun. I kind of dove back into that. Oh, cool! Awesome. Yeah, great one. Um, how do you feel about always being the the end, Andrew? Great. Close. Yeah. It, yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I never, I, I never, I never got to talk. <laughs> oh, you never talked yet? Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, I thought you did. Oh, I thought. I thought oh yeah. About stuff we, into? I went to Evan mm-hmm. and then I went to okay Fisher. Yeah, yeah, usually, yeah. usually we end on. No, Andrew, fine. I, I don't want to go now. That's fine. <laughs> Come on, please. We should we should just end it and then Fisher can record it by himself and, and you just tack, tack on the end. Yeah, it's like hey guys, this I'm is back. What I'm into, uh, yeah. Just so you all know. Go okay, sorry. Um, go, 
please tell okay. us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I knew it was I, a little I mean, early like, for the show to be over. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I actually don't have a, for after all that rigmarole. I don't have a ton of. Uh, <laughs> um, the puppy has been very distracting, uh, mm. but. I am very excited. There was a game that got announced that I'm very excited for, and I just got accepted. I, I applied to be a playtester, and I, I got accepted to be one of their playtesters. So um, I'm excited to playtest it, uh, which is it's called Moonbreakers. Uh, so it is by Unknown Worlds, I think that's what they're called, the developers of Subnautica. Mm. Uh, so Subnautica was... It's a video game? Yes. Yes. Uh, right. So Subnautica was like this game that really hit me just like at the right time and like was just the right game I was looking for. You know, it's this underwater survival game and it just like hit me just right at this right time in my life where it was just the escape I needed at the time. And so I really have fond memories of Subnautica. And I, um, and so when I heard Unworld, Unknown Worlds was making a new game, I was very excited. And interestingly, it's nothing like Subnautica. It is a miniatures game done digitally so it's trying to be as much like a mm. tabletop minis game as possible um it, in fact it has like a painting mode where you can like paint your models and like do oh. custom paint jobs on your models in in the video game uh on top of it being so it, it has this kind of tabletop digital crossover which is is very close to my heart because i was the digital director at fantasy flight for several years and worked on a lot of the app integrated games there so kind of the space between digital and tabletop is very close to my heart. And then uh, all the world building for the game is done by uh, Brando Sando, Brandon Sanderson, uh, mm. who I've been reading a yeah. ton of uh, over the last couple of years. And so like this game just like hits, checks all these boxes for me. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited to check it out. It's the, the graphics are pretty cool. The animations, I, I, I'm going to have to get used to, I think, because it's trying to evoke a miniatures game. So, like, the 3D models are, like, miniatures. And then when they, like, fight, they kind of just, like, we wobble back and forth, uh, <laughs> which can look kind of silly sometimes. So we'll see if I can get used to that. Uh, but it's kind of got, like, a fast skirmish-type gameplay. They kind of hearkened it to, like, the hearthstone of miniatures games. So we'll see... Uh, We'll see what I think of it. I'm like I said, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play test for them and uh, uh, cool. check it out early. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty it excited. It looks amazing. Uh, I'll I, be interested to see if they they stick to the miniatures not animating, or yeah. if they'll end up giving them a little juice. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was kind of expecting a, a bit more animation. I. I've I've played a couple games that kind of well I've played more than a couple I played a lot of games that kind of do the tabletop, um, digital hybrid thing, mm -hmm. and you know some kind of get away with it by having a lot of particle effects and animations and like the the attacks not having the character animations but these were like, you know I saw one where it was just kind of like one miniature smashed into the other, <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe there was just wasn't enough juice to it enough screen shake or whatever but we'll yeah. see how I feel when I'm well it, it is early access right so. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's um, if anyone looks it up, it is Moonbreaker, one word. Okay, oh, what did so I, I was just singular. Like some other thing. Yeah, yeah I, I was. Yeah, Moonbreakers oh, is what? a Moonbreakers is moon. an old game yeah. from 2012. Says the internet. What? Moonbreaker. Yeah. Oh, Moonbreaker singular. Yeah, and I said plural. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I apologize. Oh, Moonbreaker, yeah. singular. Moonbreaker looks way cooler than Moonbreakers. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that like you can. Oh yeah, Moonbreakers towards. Not this game. <laughs> singular moon. Only one Moonbreaker. I think it's pretty cool how the how the miniatures don't really animate. I'm, I yeah, I, I like the I like the commitment to the to the aesthetic. Because um, it's a little more than just wobbling around, like you said. They, they, they're doing something with it. Oh, yeah. And they, they show, like, big particle effects with, like, flames and stuff. And so, around, like, yeah. I think it's got a cool look to it. Uh, and, like, they, they kind of, I think they took a lot of cues from, like, XCOM with how they break up the health bars and stuff to make it very readable from a distance. So, mm. yeah. So, so we'll see. We'll see what I think uh, once I actually get to play. Uh, the other The other big thing I've been doing lately is it was uh, my partner Sam's birthday uh, this last week, and we kind of have this tradition of making super extra cakes for our birthdays. <laughs> we usually make them ourselves. Uh, we have a the cookbook from uh, Momofuku Milk Bar, which is this kind of fancy mm -hmm. bakery. Um, Christina Tossi, what's her name? That uh, sounds right. Anyway, uh, she, has, she makes these incredibly elaborate cakes there, they're famous for not being frosted, so you can like see all the layers, uh, and they they just have really complex lots of steps, lots of different layers of stuff, uh, very rich. And so we have this cookbook, and we try to make a new, different one every birthday. Wow. And uh, Sam managed to fit in making two cakes, which is why I used plural uh, for this this week. So we made a pineapple upside down cake uh, that has like layers of candied pineapple and a um, a like pineapple buttercream and then like a cherry soak and uh, that one's pretty good. It ended up a little crumbly, but it was still pretty legit. And then the second one we made was a blueberry corn cake. So mm -hmm. it has like this blue blueberry, uh, I don't know, whatever you call it when you, you cook them and get it all syrupy. Compost. It has like layers of blueberries and then layers of corn, like a corn-based cake. And I think that one's our highlight. It's it's very good. It's mm. the corn adds an interesting kind of flavor element to to the cake. That sounds is, awesome. Is it called a reduction? Is that what it is? I think so. I was that, yeah, it might be a compote. Compote. Oh, maybe that's it. When you, when I was going like to say compote, but I like, but with a confidence I did not have in that being <laughs> the right term. I also guessed reduction, Evan. That's where I landed. But maybe that's I, more I, of like a sauce. Oh, yeah, I've sauce, I've watched a lot of chopped. Um, until mm -hmm. I went away from the streaming service that I had, and I learned a lot of lingo. <laughs> but it's been a while; I'm kind of rusty. So compote would be with fruit. It would be like a fruit sugary thing. Reduction, yeah, is like sauces and things. I went to culinary school. No, I didn't. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I watch a lot of, of Triple D. I, I love Triple D. Means. Me too. I love. It's maybe my favorite show of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Is is that is that diners drive-ins and dives drive-ins like and yeah. dives is, you got is that is that triple D yeah Gaffieri Gaffieri <laughs> who I love actually okay did we get everybody yeah, now <laughs> everybody has a chance to go <laughs> I think so I'm, I'm glad happy. I'm glad you went Fisher I liked I liked what you had to share um, and I, I'm glad I got to be the one who had the correct word for the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that we know of there's somebody who's going to be in the youtube comments being right. like no Neither. it's it's technically 
Yeah. <laughs> well, um, thanks for joining us, everybody. It was fun talking to you. And reach out to us, info at earthborngames.com. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.